Hayes, Alexander, Shabbat for three, bang, oh! will get it for the win. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 33 of our 24-minute recaps here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. So for tonight's recap, three games. I will briefly at the end go over the Devin Booker game winner because I, that was requested a couple of nights ago. Even though I'm aware the Suns played tonight, I will get to the Suns, Hawks, and hopefully Wizards and Heat because there are real red flags coming from Miami. It's time to start concerning that my pick may not be looking like a bad pick and maybe looking like a disastrous pick with the Miami Heat. But I will be talking about the two games that just happened between our two dime dropper teams, the Clippers and the, against the Cavaliers and the Celtics against the Sacramento Kings. So for tonight, the Trolls will be very, very much limited in the chat. I don't think they're going to be here tonight. I have gotten my moderator, who I'm going to add right now. Doesn't seem like I can, seemingly. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to add one of the guys to the, uh, to moderate, but for whatever reason, doesn't... Oh, let me, let's, let's see. Maybe I can right now. Apologies to the YouTube and... Uh, the Spotify and Apple Podcast guys, but um, yeah, here we go. All right, Seth, you're you're gonna be uh, in on goal here. It says no matching users found. Maybe we'll do it another time. Anyway, so let's start talking about the Clippers, right? And the Clippers. Here, I just put it. I put you as the moderator. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know if it's going to work, but... So, let's get on to the Clippers. The Clippers against the Cavaliers. We came off the back-to-back against the Brooklyn Nets. And we came out again with good energy. We didn't take the game for granted. And I was happy to see that. That we came out not saying, oh, the Cavs are going to be fine. Kawhi Leonard again. Playing in a back-to-back. And playing very well to start the game. Attacking. Getting in that mid-range area. Going to work. You know, getting in pick and rolls, finding Serge Ibaka on the pick and pop. Serge was so much better today than he was the other day, or than he was yesterday. And then, you know, I saw the Cavs trying to go zone for a little bit, and we just swung it and got open threes for Lou. Had one open three in the first half, but we'll get to Lou in a second. And then Kawhi was hitting threes, had 10 points quickly in the first. And we were up by eight after one. Couldn't have asked for more from the starters. They did their thing. Paul George was getting going as well, hitting threes. And then... Um, and then you'd have the second quarter where we started to, it's a classic thing that's happening with the Clippers, it seems, and that is the second unit slump. And Lou and Zoo again, were up to their old tricks and the bad kind in the first half where Lou was just not making anything, making bad decisions. You know, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton are really good coming off screens because they have a really good floater game. So you have to come up as the big man, but you also have to stay attached as the guy guarding the, the ball handler. And in many cases, that was Lou Williams, that was Reggie Jackson, even Paul George. And in the first half, they were doing a terrible job. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland were getting free runs into the lane and just hitting free throws. 
uh, sorry, floaters, just hitting floaters like there was no tomorrow. I thought Serge did a good job of containing Andre Drummond. You know, Drummond was trying to do his classic, you know, put your shoulder into him, you know, get really physical, but Serge's length deterred him and blocked shots, and he did a really good job of that. But the second quarter I wasn't pleased with because the Cavs tightened things up defensively, and you got to give a lot of credit to Isaac Okoro. He's uh, shown me in these couple games that I've watched him this season, the man's a good defender. He was doing a really good job again on Paul George in that second quarter. And we cooled down. We cooled down. We had a huge cold stress. We started out so hot, and then boom, cold. But I did like what I saw. The one bench player I can say I really like what I saw from him today was Kennard. Morris struggling. He only shot three shots, was one of three. So we went into the half only up by three. But again, how many times have we seen this this season, Clipper Nation? Third quarter Clippers. We came out, and it was because of our three-point shooting, just like we saw in New York. Paul George leading the way. Hitting all different types of threes. Off the dribble, ISO threes. Coming off the screen, off the catch threes. You know, wide open off the drive and kick. And that was much better in the second half. We got to, you know, we didn't settle. Kawhi was getting downhill, finding Paul George to kick. And Paul George was doing a good job of finding guys to kick out to as well. Serge Ibaka hit a three. Uh, catch and shoot Reggie, second game in a row. Not a great night from him. 0 of 3, 0 points. Even though he's a plus 19, I just didn't see much from him tonight. Clipper fans thought they, he was better. Let me know. But I didn't see much of him tonight. Batum doing his thing. Seven points, three of five, one of three. But it was the fourth quarter where Zoo and Lou came in and actually put the game to bed. And another guy I want to shout out, though, for the for the Pistons. I'm sorry, for the Pistons. For the Cavs before I get into Lou and Zoo was Torian Prince. I just thought he was trying pretty hard. You know, seven points, three of eight. I just thought he was doing a good job on Kawhi in certain possessions. But Lou and Zoo, Lou started to, he saw one shot go, then he got to the foul line, then he got to the floater, floater game, and then he started hitting a three, and then all of a sudden he found Zoo on some rim runs, he was creating havoc in the pick and roll, does that mean that, um, does that mean that we, you know, think that Lou shouldn't be traded? I still don't waver on that notion, I think he had a good game, but... Yeah, I think that because of Lou and Zoo's boost, and plus Zoo got a couple of blocks in that second half too. He started to make his presence known around the rim as well. And then Kawhi and Paul George took us home, but it was really Paul George who was scorching hot. This was his game. 36 points, 13 of 20 from the field, and in the second half, he turned up the defense. He was fighting over screens. That limited Sexton and Garland a lot more. He had They were as actual resistance, and I really liked what I saw. Kawhi with an efficient... 24-point game, 9 of 14, 3 of 6. Just another night at the office for the claw. But Paul George with 36 points on 13 of 20 and an incredible 8 of 9 from the 3-point line. 4 rebounds, 6 assists, and my favorite statistic of them all, 0 turnovers. you got to love it because Paul George has been pretty turnover-prone so far this season. And you got to love it if you're a Clipper fan. He was my player of the game. Zubats with 10 and 16 rebounds. He stayed in the fourth quarter because he was playing so well. Doing a good job. Six of those were offensive rebounds. And then Lou Williams with 15, 5 of 8 from the field. Kennard with 9 on 3 of 6. So it's a great win for the Clips. We shot 58% from 3, 20 of 34. And a lot of them were the right 
threes, which is what we talk about here all the time. Sexton had a good game for the Cavs, 27 points despite the second half where he was a little quieter. Darius Garland, 23 points on 11 of 18. But overall, great win for the Clips. Way to not drop two in a row. We end the road trip 4-2, and and we got the Clovers on Friday, and they're not in good form. So that's a perfect opportunity to segue right into the Boston Celtics. So the Sacramento Kings, this was a back-to-back for the Seas as well. And I thought the first quarter was solid from Jason Tatum in particular. He was really good, looking for a shot, getting a shot in all different types of ways, whether it was one-on-one, whether it was coming off screens. He was aggressive. And because of that, he started creating for others, like Tristan Thompson under the basket, who was finishing everything. And then Daniel uh, Tice hitting open threes. Celtics were up by 10, 17-7. But the, but the Kings responded, and the Celtics did a terrible job, and we saw this against San Antonio Celtics fans, a terrible job closing out quarters. In the first quarter, in the non-Tatum minutes, when, and by the way, if you're not wondering, if you're wondering, Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker missed this game. Kemba Walker with load management, Smart still out from the injury he sustained in the Laker game, but that second quarter was bad. For the Boston Celtics, I thought Marvin Bagley, he didn't play much in the second half at all, but I thought he was pretty good in the first half, offensively at least. He hit an open three in the corner. He was scoring down low. He finished with only nine points, four of eight, and 19 minutes. But I didn't think he was that bad, personally. However, as this quarter went on, yeah, the Celtics just hit a cold spell. I thought Jeff Teague was really poor, but we'll get into the extent of how poor he really was as I continue. But yeah, Jason Jalen Brown was struggling to find his shot in the beginning of the game. We went to the second quarter, and the Kings started to go zone. And because of that zone, and we've seen this as a problem for the Celtics at times, especially dating back to the glorified Summer League, is I saw Rob Williams, who I thought was fantastic, by the way, tonight, getting offensive rebounds, blocking shots, being a presence around the basket. But I thought that when they went, when the Kings went zone, and we saw some zone from the Celtics, especially in the second half, but the Kings were in a zone for the majority of the game, it seemed, or not, not the majority of the game, for a good portion of the game, let's say. And in that second quarter, Rob Williams was popping up high post, which is what I always talk about, but we they didn't have anybody running baseline. Because the thing is, a lot of players would rather sit in the corner for three, but that that gives the up top player in a 2-3 zone the ability, the, the wing and the corner is not that far apart. So it really is a one-on-one game up top in most cases with zones, as it was with the Celtics, because De'Aaron Fox, every time the Celtics went zone, for the most part, seemed to just get right through the middle. Like, you know, they were playing a little 2-3. Sometimes it looked like they were playing like a 1-3-1, and then other times, like we saw against San Antonio, it looked like a 2-1-2. But for the most part, a 2-3 zone. And what would happen was, it's kind of like just like a matchup zone. Like, you just guard one person. But a traditional zone, you got to build the wall up top. And that wasn't happening. One screen, De'Aaron Fox was getting in the lane. I know they were hesitant about Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. Harrison Barnes, who had a really solid game tonight, I thought. Getting to the line, but not hitting from the outside. However, I thought the Celtics got really shafted with some calls, especially in the second half. But the, the Kings went into halftime up by a point. It was a really good game. But then the second half is when... The Celtics responded. In that zone, they started to go more zone than man. They started to do it. 
and started to gain some, uh, force some turnovers. Jalen Brown would get out, and this is when Jalen Brown started feeling himself a bit, guys. Started hitting some threes, pull up in transition. He was doing more of off the catch, sweep through, just go head down to the rim and find guys like Tristan Thompson of the Time Lord underneath the basket. I thought Semi Ojale was pretty good in the game as well. He only shot twice, but he hit both shots, five points in only 15 minutes. Tremont Waters, though, I thought he really struggled because I thought that that was maybe one of the reasons why the Celtics went zone. The Celtics have had a lot of trouble guarding in man-to-man, and a lot of it is because of their lack of rim protection, but it's also because when they don't have Marcus Smart, for one, it's a big problem because they'll just put a, a guy like Tremont Waters or Kemba Walker in the pick and roll, and they'll get a guy like De'Aaron Fox going downhill, which sacrifices other things. And for the most part, I thought that the Celtics did a good job defending the three-point line. I mean, it was thirteen; they were 13-37 in Sacramento. Tyrese Halliburton, though, in the second half, picked up fire, started making his open shots. I really like that kid, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. But... Yeah, the the Kings responded every time when the Celtics would make a little run. And it was tough to create and generate consistent offense for the Celtics because you only have Jason uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown. Tristan Thompson's not creating his own shot. Daniel Tice is not creating his own shot. Neither is Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, the Time Lord. Carson Edwards somewhat, but he only played eight minutes. That's why I don't know why Carson Edwards didn't get the nod over Tremont Waters. I think Tremont was trying hard, but he wasn't, like, offensively couldn't get it going at all. And they were trying to put him in pick and roll and trying to find ways to get him involved defensively. And I think that De'Aaron Fox did a really good job driving to the basket and you know, forcing the Celtics to change the way they operated. Tremont Waters, 23 points. He had, he was one of eight. So offensively, he just didn't do the, the business. Minus six. And in the fourth quarter, De'Aaron Fox. I don't know why, for whatever reason, that the Celtics went back to more man. They only went zone like once or twice in the quarter. Even though that the zone, I said, was weak and they were getting beat down the middle. They seemed like they were doing better with zone than with man. You know, they outscored the Sacramento Kings in the third quarter, 31-29. So I figured they would stay in the zone. But they really didn't. They went back to man. De'Aaron Fox was getting downhill. Nobody could guard him one-on-one. Like, it was just poor individual defense from the Celtics. A lot of that, Jeff Teague. And Jeff Teague is the only other person you'd look at on that roster and say, maybe he can create. And he couldn't because he's his jumper is not reliable right now. So guys are going under the screen on Jeff Teague. So if that's happening... That means you got to, you know, hit your jumper or move the ball. He's not hitting his jumper. And then when they were sending him over the screen, he wasn't hitting his floater. So, you know, the Kings were going zone. The Celtics were struggling because the spacing wasn't proper. You know, having a guy in the in the corner for three instead of running the baseline, you know, people can retreat to that, uh, split the difference easier because you can get ready for the drive and be ready for the kick out to the pass. So it's not a guy going baseline to baseline, which is really always making your head on the swivel. That's the thing. That's what you want to get the zone doing. So, Jeff T, yeah, didn't do the business. He was getting beat off the dribble like crazy. And I noticed that the Celtics, because De'Aaron Fox was beating him off the dribble like crazy, started going to more switches. And for once in his life, I've never seen this, Hassan Whiteside was actually beasting on the inside for a little bit, taking advantage of switches. He actually had one jump hook in the post, but was also getting fouled. And that was the thing with the Celtics. A lot of it was not being able to play defense without fouling. However, I will say, I think that the Celtics had some really, really harsh calls go against them, especially a particular one. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown had an and one. Fully should have been a goaltend. Fully should have been a goaltend. It was disallowed, and I thought that that was very harsh, personally. But yeah, you know, the Celtics were up by eight points 
with five minutes left in the third quarter. And then again, turnovers, you know, like timely turnovers. The Celtics just get a little too sloppy with the ball. Tatum in particular for turnovers. But it came down to the wire. And honestly, Jeff Teague was a real liability out there. And Tristan Thompson didn't come back in the game. I don't know why, because he played so well. 22 minutes, 17 and 10, 7 of 9. And he had 17 points, I'm pretty sure, by the end of the third quarter. So, like, I don't agree with what Brad did there. I know Tristan Thompson hasn't been great this season. But to sit him out in the fourth quarter when he's having, like, arguably his best game of the season, I don't agree. I know the Time Lord was playing well. But in the end of the game, I would rather have an NBA champion than the Time Lord. I feel him because it's developmental you want time lord to learn but at the same time it's like this is not a the celtics are in are in a mixture of a win now build for the future type of mode they're building this team this is trial and tribulation for them for the future years to try to lead that chase and tatum and jalen brown leading the celtics to a championship and you need to win games in the regular season. Not With this Eastern Conference, you cannot take games for granted. I know they were injured, but they didn't close out games the right way. I would really like to see Jalen Brown get more aggressive at the end of games. I know Tatum's the face of the franchise, but Jalen Brown is not looking to get into that mid-range area as much as he used to, and I don't like that because I think that Jalen Brown's... like The scouting report, people know he's taking that mid-range. So they're going under screens. They're trying to force him to go downhill all the way to the basket. But he should look to try to get in those spots. I think Jalen's been a little going away from what he became so good at to start this season. And Jalen Brown didn't have a great game, in my opinion, uh, tonight. He didn't. He was 7 of 18. And he had 21 points, 2 of 6 from 3. So his shooting... It was a struggle. It was a struggle for the Celtics, 33% on the three-point line, 45% on the field. They didn't close out the game well. De'Aaron Fox, we need to talk about him. Downhill, into the teeth of the defense, right at Robert Williams, you know, and then hitting contested jumpers. That man is a closer, and he needs to get the ball way more in fourth quarters and be a potential star that he has the, the potential of being. You know what I'm saying? He needs to act like a star. They need to treat him like one. He's averaging 22, 3, and 6.4 assists right now. That's really good numbers. And it's funny because it's amazing. How much better De'Aaron Fox is than Lonzo? But I'm not shocked at all because I vividly remember that Sweet 16 game against Kentucky that we lost. So, yeah, not surprising to me. But a, a bad loss for the Celtics, guys. The injuries, you know, the, the availability of the starting five of the Celtics has been really killer to start this season. But ultimately, Jalen Brown needs to keep getting, needs to be aggressive late in games. And damn, Jeff T was just so bad tonight. I also think they need to figure out how to guard in man-to-man or just go zone more. Brad Stevens needs to figure this out. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I really like Brad Stevens, but it's time to be a little more critical of him. This is his seventh, this is, no, his eighth year in charge of the team. There can't be more coaching errors anymore. You know what I'm saying? He needs to put his team in the possessed position to win, and I just don't know if he's doing so all the time. So before we end, I wanted to briefly go over the Suns-Mavericks game, which started out very similarly to how it did the other the night before. Devin Booker returned, though, so hurrah for Suns fans. But the Mavs came out chucking. Porzingis was also back. Chris Paul was hitting, though, carrying, getting into the mid-range area and feeling it with his jump shot. And in the, you know, the second quarter, though, the Mavs did the same thing again. They went up. Porzingis was starting to hit, and they ended the, the half well, really ended the half well. And the second half, though, Frank Kaminsky, I thought he was really good. 11 points, he hit a three, he was also scoring around the basket, but just really good contests and doing his job, doing his part on the defensive end. 
You got to love that. And then Galloway, 20 minutes, 2 of 2, 2 for 2 for 3. I thought he was solid, plus 10, 6 points off the bench. But this was the Chris Paul show in the fourth quarter and the Devin Booker show. They each scored, I think, double-digit points in the fourth quarter. Devin Booker for sure, Chris Paul as well, getting into the mid-range, contested threes, full-on Chris Paul fourth quarter closer display. And let's talk about somebody who really choked, Luka. I thought he was less ball dominant in this game, which was good, but he was 7 of 19, and in the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, what the Suns were doing was they were switching DeAndre Ayton onto Luka, and Luka couldn't get anything. Luka was taking contested jumpers and missing because he's a very overrated shooter. He's not that good of a shooter because he can mix uh, step-back threes one out of three times. Now, Luka couldn't do it. He choked it. And Chris Paul took it right from underneath him. And guess who hit the game winner? You gotta love it. Devin Booker. And DeAndre Ayton, he wasn't very good in terms of scoring the basketball. But his rebounding, he's one of the best in the league. 10 points, 17 boards, a gritty, tough win for the Suns. They came in the fourth quarter, 32-26 winning it, even without Payne, even without Saric. And Chris Paul has been fantastic the last two games. 34 points, 9 boards, 9 assists, 14 of 20 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. Devin Booker with a game-winning fallaway 3 from the right wing, 24 points, 9 of 19, 4 of 8 from 3. And I really like the assertiveness of both of them in the fourth quarter. It was, all right, we are going to take over this game. That's what they need to do. They have closers. The Mavericks with another loss. So that's it for me tonight, guys. Now we're going to go to the um, to the live chat. Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dime, thank you so much. 21 minutes, three minutes short of the 24-minute mark. We're going 21-minute Kevin Garnett style for minute, for episode 33. Shout-out to my 33 guys. A special number, one of my favorites. Kobe Bryant's high school number and the number of the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Scottie Pippen, and Lair Legend. That's good. We're going to the live now. Peace.